welcome back everybody to the Luke Beasley show. It is great to be with you on this Friday. Let's get into it. Donald Trump has, as we've talked about in the past, actually said many things in the past that directly contradict the defense he's now putting forward in regard to his uh, indictment, at least publicly, on federal criminal charges in relation to his handling of classified documents. And what I mean by that, again, something we've discussed many times because it's just as hypocritical as it gets, is he used to, whenever he was trying to attack Hillary Clinton, would very aggressively criticize her handling of classified documents and talk about the importance of being um, responsible with classified material and now that he's being held accountable for things so much uh, more severe than anything Hillary Clinton was accused of or uh, credibly accused of, he's changed his tune very significantly. And I want to show you a Republican accountability project uh, ad that they put together that is titled, It's Time to Hold Trump to Trump's Own Standard. It uses some of those clips we've talked about previously, and then we'll walk through, uh, while on this subject of Trump's indictment, some other bits of information. Take a look at this from the Republican accountability project. Donald Trump was indicted for stealing classified documents. Here's what he used to say about protecting classified information. I'm going to enforce all laws concerning the protection of classified information. Many of them were classified, highly classified, and you go to jail for that. We can't have someone in the Oval Office who doesn't understand the meaning of the word confidential or classified. It's time to hold Trump to Trump's own standard. Seems fair to me. As you'll know, I was talking to Trump supporters outside of the federal courthouse in Miami during Trump's arrest and arraignment. And one of the discussions that came up multiple times was this bizarre, mind-boggling kind of uh, delivery of thoughts that many people would would bring forward, which was in one sentence saying Hillary Clinton should be in prison right now for her handling of sensitive material, even though she was number one never even credibly accused of anything like what Trump has been, and also was investigated extensively and cleared. And Trump shouldn't be held accountable legally for much more severe allegations that he, um, that tons of evidence has been brought forward in this unsealed indictment to back up. And it was just the cognitive dissonance was truly, <laughs> truly fascinating uh, to see. And the fact that Obviously, Trump and his supporters won't really care, but that the hypocrisy is that blatant is pretty stunning. Then, continuing on the subject of uh, Trump's indictment, a little bit of his reaction recently. This is, of course, post-arrest and arraignment, and on True Social, he says, So now that everyone understands that the Presidential Records Act plus the Clinton Sox case totally exonerated me from the continuing witch hunt brought on by corrupt Joe Biden, the DOJ, deranged Jack Smith, and uh, the radical left Marxist thugs, when uh, are when are they going to drop all charges against me? Apologize and return everything that was illegally taken Fourth Amendment from my house. This was nothing other than election interference. So, so much there. He's saying the Fourth Amendment protects him from a legal raid that they got a warrant to do. So all raids, even when they go through the legal process, they go to a court, they get a um. Uh, a warrant, all of that is violating the Fourth Amendment, your protection against unreasonable search and seizure? Yeah. Okay. I don't think so. And then also just so much that is incorrect about that, thinking he should be given back the documents that he illegally took from the government. The interesting thing, too, is he has been treated with 
kid gloves to an extent that he should appreciate. Obviously, he won't, but he should appreciate because time and time again, the government gave him an opportunity to turn over these documents and just kind of most likely leave it at that. Even though for months he was acting, uh, acting improperly, they would have if he had just turned over sooner these documents and didn't force them into raiding his home, probably let it slide because of the fear of indicting a former president. And there's some extensive reporting to that effect. And uh, so then finally they were forced into doing this and he feels like he's being so wronged and everyone's saying he's being persecuted when in reality he's being treated um, preferentially for who he is pretty stunning the next uh, post here prosecutorial misconduct at a level seldom seen in our country before then he goes on to say after going through a criminal investigation for two years by the district attorney's office in Westchester County New York it was just announced the case has been dropped and no charge will be filed this was the honorable thing to do in that I did nothing wrong but where and when do I get my reputation back when will the other fake case against me be dropped election interference he's proving the opposite point when there's not enough evidence to charge him, clearly investigators don't charge him. And actually they seem to have waited a very long time to charge him for things there were evidence for crimes he had committed. But whenever there isn't evidence, he's not being gone after. This isn't political persecution and uh, certain cases not panning out, him not being charged for his actions in those proves that very fact that um, this is about the evidence. It's not political persecution. Now, he also released a video thanking people for traveling to Miami, Florida to witness or show their support during his arrest and arraignment. All of the thousands of people in Miami, great place, for showing up at the courthouse and doing it in such an elegant manner, but showing respect because you recognize that this was a false and fraudulent indictment of me by corrupt people. To see the love and the, the just the spirit was incredible. It was an incredible thing to witness. And the Hispanic community, Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, so much, and so many, so many people. I just want to thank everybody. It was heartwarming to watch it. The love, the total love and the spirit. So again, to Miami and to all of the people in Miami. Okay. I was down there. I don't know how much love was gushing out of all the people um, during his arrest and arraignment. Then one other random note. This is just a miscellaneous Trump segment, I got to say. Um, you might remember that this happened at the Versailles restaurant that he went to in Miami after his arrest are you ready are you ready food for everyone food for and reportedly he didn't pay for anyone's food yeah not a shocker and then one last thing we'll touch on this is from the washington post one of donald trump's new attorneys proposed an idea in the fall of 2022 the former president's team could try to arrange a settlement with the justice department and talks about how uh, one of trump's attorneys christopher keis pitched the idea of, listen, if we just make a deal with the DOJ and say, we'll give you everything back if we can just clear this up, then maybe we can clear it up. And of course, Trump denied that and said, no, I have to keep all of these documents because why? Still don't know exactly why ego or interest or 
uh, some other more malicious reason. Who knows? But he was intent on making sure he committed as many crimes as possible with these classified documents. Still on the subject of Trump's indictment, making history with this wild moment. So we got to talk about it. Um, Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House, responded to the arrest and arraignment of Donald Trump in Newt Gingrich fashion, I guess you could say, dishonestly and hyperbolically and bizarrely. And I want to show you this is from Steve Bannon's podcast, The War Room Podcast. Um, and then we'll discuss. It's going to be big. What, what advice? I want to bifurcate this for a second. What advice would you give President Trump? given our current situation and your historical perspective, and what advice would you give the Trump movement? Let's start with President Trump. What, what would you tell, what would be your advice strategically for President Trump? To embed his case in all the cases around the country and the fact that you now have a war by the government against the American people. Uh, Trump is just one, News to me. one of many, many victims. I think the more he focuses only on his own victimhood, the, the narrower and the weaker the case, but the more that he focuses on the totality of the government assault against the American people, the stronger his case becomes. What, what is your advice then to the, uh, what is your, uh, by the way, very wise, what is your advice to his followers, so the MAGA movement? That this is a struggle for the very life of freedom that you should take it as seriously as George Orwell warned us about when he published 1984. And you should recognize that everything we know of as freedom is under threat right now. Wow. And we have to win, much like Lincoln did in the 1860s. <laughs> we have to win for freedom to survive. Yeah, you know how, you know how fighting the Civil War was like Trump's indictment? <laughs> it's so absurd. And what's scary I told y'all before, the only way I can stay sane and I think assist in you staying sane um, with this, for me doing this type of job, y'all observing American politics, all of us doing it together, the only way is to take a sort of lighthearted approach to a lot of very serious subjects. Otherwise, we're always going to be stressed. It's always going to be terrible. Um, and so I will laugh at Newt Gingrich for saying that, but note how dangerous it is that this is the message being heard by so many people that this is a fight to get back the freedom that we completely lost and this is like the fight to abolish slavery this is like fighting the civil war that's calling upon a historical uh event and moment very intentionally he understands what he's doing here it's provocative it gets people energized but it also can promote violence of course saying that this is similar to uh, abraham lincoln's fight in uh leading the union in the civil war it is so dangerous and it's wrong this is an example of actually not the instability of the united states of america or falling apart this is an example of the system working now it's horrifying and an example of how broken we are and were in American politics um, for a time and currently because of Trump being someone who could be successful, that shows a level of disturbing brokenness in our current moment. But the system recognizing that he violated the law and actually trying to hold him accountable for that is the system doing what it should, is the DOJ doing what it should, or um, investigators and prosecutors elsewhere. It doesn't matter who you are. 
It doesn't matter the influence you have, the wealth you have, you should be held accountable legally just like every other person. If someone else did who wasn't Donald Trump, who doesn't have the uh, influence that he does, did what he did, they would absolutely have been indicted for it. They absolutely would be facing these criminal charges and would have to defend themselves as Trump will now have to do. And so this is a system working. It's not everything falling apart. And that's what we've talked about in the past. Um, when people talk about what a darker day this is, it it's dark in that Trump has the influence that he does and did the things he did. That's dark. Him being held accountable for that is the one light part in a very dark moment, is the... Um, correct action being taken and it gives me some hope that even within a truly absurd moment in american politics and in this country things feel whacked at least accountability maybe we'll see how everything goes the trial and all of that but uh, i'm pretty confident at this point in time that it will go the direction of accountability based on the evidence being brought forward and if that does happen that's a positive um a positive thing for sure well, I didn't cover this, but now we're going to cover it now, but I'm a little late to the discussion about it. But some interesting clips came out of this event, the Turning Point USA, uh, I think it's Young Women's Leadership Summit or something like that. And a lot of these right wing figures, media influencers and politicians. And I want to talk about Lauren Boebert speaking at this and she's continuing with her kind of declaration of war against the leadership within the GOP Kevin McCarthy um, over her opposition to the now signed into law agreement between Joe Biden and Kevin McCarthy to suspend the debt ceiling for two years um, in exchange for some policy concessions on the part of Biden over to Republicans but you might remember and then we'll dive into some clips from the speech Lauren Bober, as well as Matt Gates and others, are really unhappy that it seems, and I agree with this analysis, while I'm deeply troubled and aggravated that Biden was pulled into having to engage at all in these negotiations and allowing the debt ceiling to be used in this way, but his negotiating definitely was effective, and I think he out-negotiated uh, Kevin McCarthy on this agreement and i think lauren bobert agrees and matt gates agrees and some of these other people do and that's why they're upset they don't feel like this agreement uh, got the concessions that they really wanted and so she's saying the republicans who voted for this debt ceiling suspension agreement uh, sold out but it only took six months for that vision to grow dim because as soon as we had the opportunity to actually do something real for you. Cutting funding to crucial programs. They sold you out. Wrote a blank check to Trader Joe. And even nice. <laughs> and voluntarily extended the debt ceiling by an extra year. Suspended it. Uh, yeah, so the fact that some of these MAGA folks are really unhappy is, is heartening. It's good. <laughs> um, it means that indeed, at least in their eyes, Biden did do a good job of not allowing Republicans to get uh, the concessions that they were demanding. I have more clips to look at, but before we do that, it, we just can't move past, even though we are past the crisis, what they were trying to do there. And it's been done before. Absolutely. The Republicans love it, but uh, so 
enraging and dangerous where they were saying if we don't get our dream policy concessions if you don't gut the very policies you previously passed joe biden um and pushed for them we are going to uh crash the country's economy and thus the global economy by not raising or suspending the debt ceiling which allows the government to continue taking on more debt and paying its bills and the economy to chug forward and they were saying we will crash the economy if you don't give us exactly what we want now would they really have gone through with that who knows um probably not because that would also hurt them in some significant ways but you just never know with this MAGA GOP and so it as I've said before, is pretty impressive that we only got the agreement that we got. That's my take on this. Different people disagree for sure, as always. Um, next moment here. I'm a proud member of the House Freedom Caucus, the conservative conscious of the Republican Party. The conservative conscious, she says, not conscience, conscious. She's conscious of her own conservatism, I guess. Very interesting. And then you have this. We saw the Uniparty take that bill that would protect American Second Amendment rights and use it as a bargaining chip and a bully pulpit to say you will never defy us again. And that's why in the upcoming days, maybe weeks, you will see that we are not giving control of the House floor back to leadership who threatens the Second Amendment rights of Americans and who further puts you in debt because it makes them feel good while they soak in the swamp. <laughs> Why does anyone buy into that? Why is that? Woohoo! Lauren Boba, you're crushing it. <laughs> it's just a masterclass in humiliation over and over. So, of course, she's talking about there. Uh, when she talked about the Second Amendment, this, that, and the other thing, there's this pistol brace bill. And essentially, we talked about this in the past, but the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, we call it the ATF, um, they extended or implemented further regulations of what are called pistol braces, the stabilizing braces that make certain pistols more like more dangerous rifles. Um, and so that is being more heavily regulated because of what is kind of assisting in turning this pistol into so more regulations on it and the house freedom caucus is very unhappy with that so they're proposing a bill that would roll back this regulation these extra regulations on pistol braces and right after the agreement debacle it seems that was tabled that was set aside kevin mccarthy no longer was assisting in pushing that bill to the floor um and now they're saying if we don't get this rolling back of pistol brace regulations then we are going to bring the entire house of representatives to a halt we are not going to allow you to do anything kevin mccarthy uh and i gotta say while it's bad because we want our government to be productive true but <laughs> this MAGA republican party productivity from them is never great <laughs> so i would rather them all be kind of caught up in their own fights with one another so they're spending less time fighting against uh progress and instead just kind of having their little gop civil war fine with me last thing we'll look at here from lauren bobert uh outside after her speech or before her speech or something at the same conference she was being interviewed um and said this 
Steve has always said something doesn't smell right when it comes to Ukraine, right? There's mm. something that is the thing itself going on there. Do you think, obviously, it's no, no conspiracies, only coincidences. That's the only thing I disagree with Steve on. I think there are conspiracies and not coincidences. But do you think, <laughs> do you think that the fact that that document has to do with Ukraine, how do you think that impacts the Biden regime's approach to the Ukraine right. war? Well, um, I think many of us have been saying um, that there is something very corrupt going on with the payments that are being made to Ukraine, the hundreds of uh, billions of dollars that have been sent over to Ukraine. It's it's not about democracy. It's not about liberating a country. Um, it feels more like money laundering than anything. Steve is okay. Things we've heard before. Quickly, just a little uh, advice for y'all, something I try to do. You'll notice all of these kind of anti-Ukraine individuals will call it the war in Ukraine or the Ukraine war. And I understand it is a war going on in Ukraine. So it's not that that's lying or something like that, but just because words do impact people, I try to make sure that because this gives you a sense of what's actually going on, phrase it more often as Russia's invasion of Ukraine, um, or if you want to Russia, Ukraine war. But a lot of times in the way that these phrases are put forward, it's assisting in making it seem like, gosh, there's just some conflict going over. There's just some war. They both have differences. It's kind of a little bit of both on uh, who's in the wrong and we shouldn't be involved in that. That's not what's going on. Russia is invading Ukraine, violating their sovereignty, causing mass destruction and devastation in the United States um, has an obligation to support Ukraine um, in their fight. And let's see what else was said there. Oh, they're trying to connect it to, I guess, the allegations um, against Biden from the GOP right now of him being bribed. We're still waiting for the evidence to be brought forward on that. Um, and they've been promising all these bombshells for so long. And sometimes you'll hear them say Hunter Biden's laptop. That's why Biden's supporting Ukraine or something. Yeah. yeah. What, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. That's why the United States has a standing policy of supporting Ukraine against Russian aggression, not necessarily at a certain uh, magnitude. We're definitely stepping up in this moment more than we have in other situations, but we've sent aid for a very long time. We've had the stance that we would be against Russia's invasion of Ukraine, all of that. All of that was just preparing to help Zelensky because he has Hunter Biden's laptop or something. I don't know. Pretty bonkers. Well, we just talked about Lauren Boebert. So you know who we have to go to next. Marjorie Taylor Greene, my goodness. Here it goes. She posted a video. I haven't covered it yet, so I want to touch on this now. End of the week, wrapping things up. She posted a video responding to Trump's indictment, and it was, as always, dishonest, vile, absurd, bonkers, all the things. But we're going to try to have a little bit of fun with this. After we watch the video, that's going to be enraging because she's being dishonest, saying this is some horrible political persecution against Trump. But then I have a different video for you that will nicely point out just how absurd all of this this narrative not just on the trump indictment but that we hear from the right about pretty much everything ever that they don't like about the left um and and we'll discuss that but here's her video she's being very she's very serious she's very concerned she if you're watching uh, the video version of the show she's a real you know politician who takes things seriously two seconds ago she wasn't uh supporting the message of the idea that Jewish space lasers caused wildfires in California. No, she's she's a congresswoman who's serious. Okay. But yet here they are, the Biden administration 
uh, arresting really their top political opponent and enemy. Uh, this is this is a communist country. We've been taken over. It's not the America that we all thought that we had. We're not a free country anymore. But mm. communist country. Didn't y'all notice we became a communist country? I know it happened quick. Uh, yeah. Well, here's a video from a long time ago. I don't know exactly when. Uh, this is from the Patriot Takes Twitter account. Great content. Uh, on this Twitter account, and they pointed out that we've been hearing this narrative for a long, long time. Attempt to restrict drinking and driving here is viewed by some as downright undemocratic. It's kind of getting common this when a fella can't put in a hard day's work, put in 11, 12 hours a day, and then get in your truck and at least drink one or two beers. They're making it laws where you can't drink when you want to. You, can't, you have to wear a seatbelt when you're driving. Pretty soon we're going to become this country. Wow. <laughs> so I will say, because I care a lot about accuracy, uh, I'm just seeing this on the Patriot Takes Twitter account and assuming it's an actual news broadcast from a while ago whenever they were making drinking and driving illegal and um, the individual's opposition to seatbelts. What we know is, even if somehow this was kind of a satirical thing, it doesn't seem like it was, but just to be safe, there was opposition with very similar narratives to this one. Uh, to seatbelt laws and to drinking and driving laws. So historically that's correct. Um, and that video is definitely hilarious in the way that it points it out. And it's, it's the fact that a lot of these narratives, it just seems lazy to me that they use them in the ways that they do, but I, I guess it works. So why not keep recycling it unless you cared about honesty, which they don't. So they keep recycling it every single time anything happens that they can either accurately say was the Democratic Party or just blame on the Democratic Party. All of it has to be labeled as communism. And it really doesn't matter if it has anything even vaguely to do with any communist principles or ideologies or anything, which the Democratic Party right now is so far from a communist party. It's uh, pretty, pretty stunning that they would make that accusation, but it's not about accuracy. Of course, it's about um, a political attack. But what's sad is that that works. People think, actually, they watch Marjorie Green and actually think, real people think <laughs> we are in a communist country right now. And it's because of Joe Biden. It's because of Joe Biden. We are no longer um, the United States of America, the free country. We are now taken over by a tyrannical government, some of them will say, and Biden is a wannabe dictator and it's communist and it's terrible. And how do you argue against that? No, false. That's not accurate. I guess that's the only thing you can do. The chair of the House GOP conference, Elise Stefanik, appeared on Fox News to complain about, I guess, uh, a recent action, not even an action, a consideration of an action by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, so under the Biden administration, uh, that is considering trying to phase out of school cafeterias flavored milk because of the high levels of sugar, obviously. So chocolate milk, for example. And it's just being considered. And as you know, anything like this will be jumped onto by Fox News, by Republicans to... Um, have some sort of freak out. Now, normally, such as the gas uh, stoves thing, 
it's actually not even happening. It's not going to happen. And so it's strange that they're freaking out about it. But here, it could actually happen. And it's something that I would support. Why do we need these massively sugar-packed drinks um, in school cafeterias, uh, cafeterias where kids are having their uh, taste buds and their tendencies toward different types of food kind of uh, molded? And we're going to say here, the drink you should be drinking along with your lunch is chocolate milk or strawberry milk. I don't why would that be necessary? I don't know. But at least Stefanik, because Biden is somewhere associated with this thing that's being considered, uh, she's ready to bravely speak out against it. This is a rallying cry of the far left. And I will tell you, Sandra, it's... Okay, sorry. We'll watch the rest of the clip. A rallying cry for the far left. I don't know most people on the far left who knew this was going on, but okay. Out of touch with families across this country. And it's not just about standing up for dairy farmers. It's standing up for kids' nutrition. You know, I'm a young mom. My son, Sam, loves whole milk. And I'll tell you, we need to make sure that our kids get nutritional dairy products. And oftentimes that comes in the form of flavored milk that comes in the for form of whole milk. Otherwise, they often don't get the dairy products that they need to meet their full nutritional value. And families are the ones that should be making this decision, not big government. And this is another issue where Mayor Adams wanted to ban uh, whole and flavored milk in New York City. I successfully pushed back and we won that fight. He had to put a pause on that. But as we see often, these far left radical ideas that start in New York City and New York State, they often eventually make their way to Washington. So we've seen the Biden administration attempt to ban whole milk and ban flavored milk. We passed the Whole Milk in Schools Act, which I would remind you is bipartisan. Both Republicans and Democrats on a committee on which I serve passed this out of committee and we're looking forward to passing it on the floor. Um, but it is important, Sandra. It's not just about the farmers. It's about families and kids' nutrition. Okay. So clearly we have a problem in this country with uh, the health of our youth and the health of people generally and nutrition. And I think it's actually a really good thing that someone in our federal government is thinking about how we can, starting at a young age, uh, create better habits and just not offer certain things in the cafeteria. Now at home, okay, you can drink what you want to drink, I guess. Um, but Whenever it's being provided to you, it's an option. You don't have to have unhealthy options in front of you, such as I remember in my elementary school cafeteria, I would drink strawberry milk. It was the sweet strawberry flavored milk. That's not good to guzzle that every <laughs> single day as a child. Come on. Come on, Elise Stefanik. I think we can agree that's a little bit uh, unnecessary. And this is from ABC News. Why the USDA might ban chocolate milk from school cafeterias. A new proposal from the U.S. Department of Agriculture could eliminate flavored milk from school cafeterias. The agency opened a comment request in February for feedback on its pro uh, proposal to revise long-term school nutrition standards, which includes uh, less added sugars in school lunch and breakfast programs to reduce children's risk of chronic disease. Uh, the proposal states, quote, this approach would reduce exposure to added sugars and would promote the more nutrient-dense choice of unflavored milk for young children when their tastes are being formed. This just seems uncontroversial to me, but everything is controversial when Biden is at the top of the food chain, um, no pun intended there, not even a good pun, but you get the point, cafeterias, eh? But as I've talked about in the past, you gotta dig up and find something 
to attack Biden on because clearly they're having a really hard time with all the different accusations, all the different manufactured controversies, because otherwise maybe, God forbid, their voters would start thinking about policies that actually um, the Republican Party is on the wrong side of on a daily basis and it deeply hurts their own lives. Um, and if they think about that, Republicans would lose elections more. So instead, it has to be the Biden administration's coming for your grill and your uh, steak. And now, actually, one of the rare accurate statements is possibly chocolate milk. Lindsey Graham appeared on Sean Hannity's show on Fox News. And you already know, whoops, bump my mic. Uh, you already know what we're going to get. We've had some pretty embarrassing moments on Sean Hannity's show with Lindsey Graham recently, and this is yet another example. So anytime kind of a big revelation happens with Trump's legal troubles, Sean Hannity brings on Lindsey Graham to pretend that he's really genuinely concerned and angry about all of this, and Trump's just the best thing since sliced bread, is it? I was about to say sliced cheese. Um, that too, since cheese, and he should not be getting indicted and it's political persecution and they never exactly explain how the evidence doesn't prove what is being alleged but generally vaguely they'll just say it's all political persecution and this here from lindsey graham oh i i agree and happy birthday president trump because he's watching this show so i talked to him hey hey pal you had dinner with Melania. Hey, pal, he says. You remember the guy that he called a religious bigot and a threat and uh, said we absolutely can't nominate this guy? Yeah. Hello, pal. Had dinner with Melania and Ivanka. We got your back. President Trump, we have your back. This is not about you. It's about us. You could take the Dalai Lama and make him the Republican nominee that tried to destroy his life. They hate conservatism. This is a bunch of BS. President Trump, you're going to prevail. You're going to be the Republican nominee, and you're going to be president again. Just hang in there. If I were to be Trump, but imagine, okay, and I were sitting watching the television, and I saw that type of pandering, even though, yes, Trump, narcissist, he, he loves his ego being stroked, and Lindsey Graham definitely serves to, to do that as much as possible. But still, it would feel like I'm being a little patronized. I know you're watching, and I just love you so much, and you're just the best thing ever. I don't know about that. That would be, all right, I like you kissing up, but that's a little embarrassing. And Lindsey Graham truly, I mean is close to removing the soles of Trump's boots. He's been licking them so thoroughly. Uh, then you have this moment. Democrats want to destroy his life because they fear him. Wow. And from my point of view, from my point of view. Sorry, can we start this clip over? I said earlier in the show, the way we stay sane is to have a good time, even with aggravating subjects, such as a U.S. senator speaking out against the application of the law to someone just because they're a foreign president and the presumptive uh, nominee for that person's party but let's not be enraged and let's just have a good time and laugh okay lighten up just so that we can uh, stay sane watch how he pretends to be really thoughtfully delivering these words okay take a look democrats want to destroy his life because they fear him and from my point of view from my point of view conservatism 
is in good hands with President Donald Trump, and that's his biggest crime. Right. Democrats want... <laughs> Lindsay. It's a really sad story, the, the story of Lindsey Graham, for sure. Uh, I mean, he called Trump everything under the sun. Narcissist. All the things. And then just flipped because he realized it was absolutely beneficial for his political career in the short term. But I can tell you one thing, no amount of money or relevance or influence or power can get you back your dignity, right? It just, it can't. And watching the way that so many Republicans, some are coming around and are saying, okay, listen, I don't like the left. And I usually was supporting Trump, but this indictment's pretty damning. Okay, we're getting some of that. But there are still so many people who are further revealing just how dishonest they are, where they can look at, maybe they just ignore the indictment, but if they go through and re read the unsealed indictment, I'll say once again, you should go read it yourself, um, and go, yeah, I'm still going to go out publicly and say, there's no evidence for the crimes he's being accused of. It's all political persecution. You just can't say that with a straight face if you've looked at uh, what's being put forward um, in regard to his handling of classified documents. You might also remember just as a little retrospective uh this a different moment from the past after the first indictment how do you do it you take a well if, if you got a pile of crap and you chop it up 34 times it's still a pile of crap it's duplicious charging they're trying to smear the guy they're trying to take cases that nobody else would take and resurrect them this is literally legal voodoo duplicious charging and literally legal voodoo Apt analysis there from the United States Senator Lindsey Graham with tears in his eyes. He is so caught up in his uh, passion for defending Donald Trump. Please, guys, please wake up to the fact that I guess this doesn't matter, but not only are you doing damage in this moment, and it doesn't matter, I mean, uh, they don't feel that it matters. You're doing damage to this moment. Um, at this time, but also you're going to be looked at so poorly historically. Your legacy is being so tarnished where now so many people have just become a Trump bootlicker in such dishonest ways that sure can play well in this current moment. But as long as ultimately the MAGA GOP doesn't end up winning and banning all the books about accurate tellings of history, then History will look, um, or people looking back at history will not look at this with kind eyes and will definitely judge very severely the actions of people like Lindsey Graham, who stood by um, this fascistic individual who attempted to install himself president despite losing to the Democratic candidate and uh, all of the things that Trump stands for. And also, after saying Lindsey Graham, that is, and so many Republicans that they're the party of law and order and no one's above the law, completely violating their principles to stand by that dangerous individual. Really sad and enraging. That's going to be where I leave it today. Now, I know what you're thinking. Luke, you told us, you told us, you promised us that you would have uh, clips from the Trump supporter interviews to do deep dives into. If you are a patron a member and you get access to the video content 
uh, of the show, you saw that I uploaded the clip that I did that I put on YouTube exclusively that went through a bunch of highlights from those Trump supporter interviews. So you can watch that for sure. But I do want to, on the more notable interviews, go through more footage that I didn't have a chance to fit into that uh, compilation and discuss them kind of bit by bit. And podcast listeners, definitely go check out the YouTube video that I uploaded. But also, as we enter into next week, give me a little bit more time as I kind of get my sea legs again, um, if that's the phrase, get things back. My ducks in a row, we'll say, and go through, get the kind of pieces of footage that I want to go over on the show organized and be ready to do that sometime next week, early next week. I do promise on that. It'll be definitely interesting Lots of wild stuff with the Trump supporters in Miami, as I've been saying. Again, you can go see a bunch of moments from those interviews on the YouTube channel in the video I uploaded yesterday. But with that being said, have a fantastic weekend. If you are a member, you will get access to the bonus show. Um, And if you are not, I will see you on Monday.